0: Rob Woodward, joined by Darren Schmidt, we're divorce lawyers focused on bringing you the six steps to navigate your divorce quickly and efficiently without bankrupting yourself emotionally or financially. And Darren Schmidt, we just had a great meeting uh, because as some of our listeners might recall about a month ago, we were part of an auction for the Vernon Radio uh, Society for public radio in the greater Vernon area. And... An individual, a listener, did bid to meet with us uh, so that we could talk about their matter a bit more in depth and how they can apply the Divorced and Done steps to their life. And that was really cool because it's the first time in the almost 10 years you and I have been doing this that we've actually met with somebody together.
1: It was cool. It was cool that somebody listening from afar, from where you and I both are, we won't reveal where they're from, uh, said hey I want to talk to you guys and we had a really productive one-hour discussion I think you and I should just do more consults together because that went really smoothly and we were just able to bounce ideas off each other that that individual got a uh, super bang for their buck uh, all of course all the money that she provided went to Vernon Community Radio Society fingers crossed that the uh, the radio station in vernon there gets launched soon but it was cool it was really awesome and we love listener engagement so keep on engaging with us and keep sending us your questions to lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com as i always say that powers our podcast but certainly our meeting with the uh, winning bidder in that auction uh, just now was empowering to us right getting a chance to meet with some of our fans want to call them fans but people that listen to this podcast being able to interact with them on a meaningful level really cool
0: well and you and i have talked about that darren and even though we're not announcing anything yet or moving anything forward i think because of this experience and knowing that there is interest from our listenership to engage with us not directly as their lawyer but just say hey what do you guys sort of think and how can i apply what we're talking about in divorced and done to my problem that may be something that we'll think about in the near future and how we could offer that uh, for greater engagement with you our listenership
1: we're taking anyway. this uh, we're taking this to the next level
0: we're, yeah. all, we're always thinking we're always uh, we're always working contacted us and that's really cool But today we are not tackling more listener questions. We're coming back to a topic we've addressed previously. If you're moving through the divorced and done steps, no matter where you are, whether you're at the beginning of your matter or somewhere in the middle or even close to the end, you may need to retain a lawyer. And we're coming back to considering what to look for when you're out shopping and thinking about what sort of lawyer is the best person that can represent me and thinking about that, even though the divorced and done steps are applicable to everybody and no matter your situation, not every lawyer is right for everyone. And you and I have talked so many times, Darren, there's sort of the stereotypical uh, pit bull lawyer fight for you versus maybe counsel that's more resolution based. But before we even talk about the individual lawyer themselves, Number one is how do we find a lawyer? Is it a Google search? Is it going to the law society referral service? Or is it reaching out to friends and family saying, do you know someone that can represent me? Where's a good place to start? I'd say the best place is to find a phone book. I think you just pick
1: up that phone book. You look at who has the darkest suit in the uh, middle of the book under L for lawyer, whoever has the, the meanest grimace on their face in that phone book, that should be the lawyer for you. I'm, I'm obviously joking. I don't even know. I don't even know if they make physical phone books anymore. I haven't got one to my house in a while, <laughs> but I do. I do remember well, you, those. You used to ads rip in them in
0: half, and I've seen you do that. <laughs> I remember that.
1: Anyone that sees me physically would would not think I could rip a phone book in half. That would be the, the le- furthest thing from their mind. But it's uh, it's all technique. I used to be able to do that. Now, not so much. I just sitting at a desk all day doesn't uh, do wonders for your phone book ripping technique. Uh, Well, on the phone
0: book, I'm sure we all remember, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you'd get that giant yellow pages in the mail and invariably the back cover was always a bunch of, hate to say it, older guys looking angry at the law firm of, you know, Smith and Smith or name and name, we fight for you and there's a 1-800 number and that's it
1: yeah and i think that's what the public uh came to know as legal advertising through the 80s and 90s was who can be an aggressive lawyer and certainly through the us everyone would be familiar with the the commercial the 30 second slot of the aggressive lawyer that became popular through the 90s you know i'm a, a I'm a I'm a ha- I'm Jim the Hammer Shapiro. I remember that guy. He would get on and scream about how he was the best lawyer. And th- we weren't really accustomed to that in Canada, probably because our law societies do monitor how lawyers are advertising and engaging with the public in a marketing sense. So that certainly wasn't allowed, that sort of extreme advertising. But thinking about now, if you're thinking about getting a family lawyer to assist you on your matter um how do you find a lawyer so obviously probably the number one way people are going to find a lawyer is by doing a search engine online so probably google Go into google you'll say family lawyer wherever you live family lawyer smithsville and then they'll populate some results and you'll just start clicking on the various law firms oh this one has pretty good website Easy to find number. You phone them. Go, hi. I'm uh, I'm so and so. I need a I need I need an appointment with one of your lawyers. And away you go, and you meet with a lawyer there. and Maybe they just become your lawyer. I don't know if that's the best way to find a lawyer. I think a lot of people find lawyers that way. Um, the other way people tend to find lawyers is through referrals from friends and family that have had uh, a divorce experience or a separation experience previously, and they needed a lawyer. And those people will say, Hey, I use so and so, and they're pretty good. Um, I think just off the top of my head, I think the best way you can think about finding a lawyer is not only doing a Google search for a lawyer in your area, but really digging into that, spending some time, not just clicking the first few results and then picking up the phone. Are there any lawyers in your area, your province generally that have any content online? Do they have any videos? Do they have any, uh, LinkedIn posts? Are they producing content on a regular basis? You're going to be able to consume that content, read the blogs, watch the videos, uh, think about what that lawyer is saying and go, would this be a good fit? Because the, the benefit to that is you're already going to know who that lawyer is, presuming that lawyer is being authentic in the content that they're putting online. And you're going to say, well, I don't even need to get to know this lawyer in terms of how they act, how they speak their general philosophy on family and divorce law, because I already know all of that because I've consumed all their content, I've watched all their videos. So that makes a transition from, I wanna be your client really easy from client to lawyer because you're like, I already know this person. Um, Certainly we do that, you and I Rob, um, we do that through this podcast. We do that through our TikToks. Both of us are on TikTok. We do that through our LinkedIn's, but we're not doing that uh, directly as a marketing Whatsoever, in fact, it's the opposite of that. It's just we we enjoy putting content out there. We enjoy interacting with people. We're not doing it to market anything. And I think anyone that listens to our content knows that um, that this is authentic in that sense. You'll you'll also get a sense if you're if you're looking for a lawyer and you're consuming their content, whether or not it's truly advertising or whether they're actually offering any value through their content in the sense of providing information to the viewer and giving away that information. And Rob, I know. This is somewhat new for the legal industry to say, uh, there's people online giving away information for free because I think traditionally lawyers have been very guarded in that sense because they say, why would we give information away for free online? We went to law school to do that. Why would you ever wanna give any information away online for free? People should be paying for that. And of course we have a different view.
0: Well, totally, because for us, and just to step away from finding a lawyer, The benefit, direct benefit for Darren and I by talking about the divorced and done steps and talking about what everyone needs to do to orient themselves, no matter where you are in your divorce proceeding, Darren and I are now meeting with individual clients who have heard from us for some period of time through our online presence. And because of the information we've provided, you're not coming into that initial consultation cold, going, these are all of my issues, can you help me from step one? You hopefully now have, when we've given you enough tools to think about discreetly what needs to happen with your children, what needs to happen with your stuff, those sorts of things, so that when you do meet with us, We can give you better information because you've heard all the preliminary pieces of what a divorce matter is going to look like from beginning to end. You have some idea of what the anatomy of that action is going to look like.
1: Yeah, it creates a better synergy between you, the possible client, and the lawyer because that relationship's already established. You, the possible client, have already, and I I call it this, dated that lawyer for a a little while online. You've watched all their content. You know who they are. It makes that relationship a lot easier. So I really encourage people in thinking about getting a family lawyer to um, see if someone in their in their area has put out some content because you, you'll be able to consume that content for free. You'll be able to establish a relationship with that lawyer much easier than just going into it cold. Um, but I mean, aside from that, asking friends or family is a good way to, to go about it in terms of finding a lawyer. But with that, I would say, uh, just because your friend or family member went through a divorce using said lawyer doesn't mean that that relationship will necessarily work for you. So why don't we, Rob, transition to, all right, you've now maybe landed on a lawyer that you want to engage with. You've done some research. You now want to book that consult. So maybe talk about booking that consult, fees for consults or not paid consults and all that sort of stuff.
0: So when you first interact with that lawyer after you've found somebody online that you like, generally you will either speak with the lawyer directly and perhaps giving them a call to book a consult or you'll talk with their assistant. And in those first phone calls, there may even be a 10 minute conversation, sort of tell me what your matter is about. Maybe that lawyer or the assistant before even booking that initial meeting with you will do what's called a conflict check uh, to make sure they haven't spoken to the opposing party. Um, so that they can represent you. That's a good best practices in terms of booking that initial meeting. Assuming all of that is clear and you can have a meeting with this lawyer, the issue then becomes, are you going to pay for that consult or is it free? And lots of lawyers often free offer free consults. I know you and I have done it uh, at certain periods of time, Uh, Other lawyers do charge and it's usually some portion or all of their hourly rate for their time. Because as we've discussed previously, lawyers, what we are selling essentially is our time. And Darren, you've said this before, uh, consults, while some free consults can be great and can be comprehensive, by and large, you get what you pay for. And in those free consults, you may have the opportunity to provide some information before to the other lawyer if you've been served with some documents or other things or have more comprehensive questions it's great if you can give those things to the lawyer beforehand so you're not totally coming into that consult cold if it's a free consult it might only be a 20 minute phone call It might be something less than a full hour with that lawyer. So that's something to think about. In terms of my practice, if I'm booking that hour long consultation, if people have received documents or there's existing orders or other materials already in their action, I'll ask them to send them to me by email beforehand so I can uh, have an opportunity to review them. in advance of that consult and that's not to say that a paid consult or a free consult one is better than the other not necessarily i think if you're doing that initial stage of research and you want to talk to a bunch of lawyers there's nothing wrong with doing a few consults particularly if they're free so you're not really investing in anybody um, before you have that initial call but the core of this free versus paid The big question, I would say, is price the most important part? And whether $300 for that initial consult is a barrier shouldn't really be the one metric for you in thinking about whether you want to hire this lawyer. Because ultimately, as we've talked about so many times, this is likely going to be several thousands of dollars to you, and it's likely going to be a relationship of some substance with your lawyer over some period of time. So don't let that initial free versus paid um, be a barrier to you in exploring all of your options and all the lawyers that could potentially help you in your area to find the person who's the right fit for you.
1: All right, let's talk about paying for that lawyer. So you've thought, all right, I'm 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 either going to pay for the, uh, the consult or I'm not. As you say, Rob, if that paid consult is a barrier for you to want to meet with a lawyer, you're probably going to be in for a rude awakening, respecting paying for a lawyer for their ongoing services. In other words, if coming up with that 300 bucks for a consult fee or 150 bucks for a consult fee is a stretch for you, and I mean no disrespect by that, but if that's something that's too much for you to contemplate, it's outside of your budget, you're not gonna be in a position to pay for a private lawyer because the way most private lawyers work, you and I included in this, is we work by the hour. So we uh, charge for our time, our time spent on the matter once the matter is open. So after that first consult, if you want to retain the lawyer, the lawyer will, um, presuming they want to work with you, uh, sometimes it happens that the lawyer just says, look, I, I'm not in a position to help you for whatever reason. Maybe it's just not a good fit from a lawyer's perspective. That's okay too. But if the lawyer says, yep, yeah, let's work together, they'll send you a retainer agreement. And the retainer agreement will be an agreement between you and that lawyer's firm. Respecting the services that that firm will provide on your file. It'll set out likely how billing on the file will occur. Charges that you can expect, including disbursement charges. Maybe there's photocopy charges. Uh, maybe there's process server fee charges that are articulated in there. Postage charges, things like that. Anyway, it'll set out about billing. It'll set out... Um, what the firm will do for you the sort of things that it will bill for in terms of time spent on the matter like research phone calls emails kind of anything that would encompass think it's really doing anything on your file uh the lawyer can likely post time on it and then you'll be billed for it the um the, the way normally a file is opened is that the client would deposit into a trust account at the firm An initial retainer fee. And those initial retainer fees from my experience now, years-long experience practicing, can range anywhere from about $2,500 at the low end to $10,000 at the high end, which is an estimation of likely the initial work necessary to complete those initial pieces on your divorce. It's not an estimate of the complete cost of the divorce because rarely will any contentious divorce uh, conclude for less than $2,500. I can almost guarantee uh, that a contentious divorce matter, including any litigation respecting any of the steps in our divorced and done steps, the lawyer will likely, their fees and disbursements, they will exceed $2,500. So that initial retainer is just an estimate of security for that lawyer's fees and disbursements on the file for their initial work on it, once that initial retainer is exhausted, you'll likely be required under the retainer agreement to top that up. If you're not in a position to do that, then the lawyer has the right to withdraw. And typically that's put in the retainer agreement itself, but it's also set out in the law society code of conduct for the uh, lawyer in which which province they're acting. A lawyer can withdraw for non-payment of fees depending on the circumstances. They likely can't withdraw on the eve of trial, but unless there's Unless there's true prejudice to the client on the withdraw, the the lawyer can withdraw for non-payment of fees. So you're going to have to keep your fees current. They're in your account current with the the law firm. In terms of um, thinking about that retainer fee, Rob, and thinking about finding that right lawyer, obviously people are thinking about, well, how quickly will that lawyer burn through that retainer fee? And this comes back to the type of lawyer that you're working with. Is it that pit bull lawyer that wants to litigate hard for you? Or is it that resolution divorced and done? Uh, Let's see if we can bring this plane in for a landing sort of a lawyer. So, I mean, maybe you want to talk a little bit about the different types of lawyers and how that can impact retainers.
0: Well, I assume most folks listening to our podcast are divorced and done people which means there's no urgent issues off the top. Your parenting time is kind of working. Maybe there's sort of some support or financial stability between the parties. So that means your initial time with that lawyer, uh, as we've talked about in our separation agreements episode recently, is really just going to be getting organized, getting your financial disclosure together, those possible first steps toward resolution, and not pushing for court right off the top, Um, which necessarily will make it cheaper. But when we think about retainers and those initial retainers that we request, if people are coming to us and trials are already set, or there's an upcoming court date, and that's not to say you're not divorced and done people, that we can get you back on a resolution track for sure. But if there's a court action upcoming really quickly, uh, or more intensive work initially, we're likely going to quote you a higher retainer amount. Because The hardest part of our job, as an industry standard, for whatever reason, most initial retainers, if lawyers are not attuned to the immediate work that needs to be done, most lawyers ask for $2,500 to $3,000. And unfortunately, I've seen it too many times, and I know you have, Darren, that clients are shopping around using that initial retainer amount as a metric of how much the matter's actually going to cost. And that's simply not true. It is not an estimate. Uh, it's not a guess on what your total legal bill will be. Of course, if you use less lawyer time, your bill will be cheaper. Um, well,
1: let's let's play that out then. So the, yeah. the client comes and says, all right, well, you know, Jimmy down the street is going to only get charge me $2,000 for an initial retainer and you want three. I'm, I'm going to go see Jimmy. But you know uh, that... The fees are going to exceed two thousand bucks. Not you, the client, but you, the lawyer, the lawyer. not, yep. not Jimmy. Um, I mean, <laughs> so Jimmy's going to take the the two thousand dollar retainer. His fees will exceed that. You, the client, are thinking, "Ah, oh, good. This will be cheaper, and 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 Jimmy will help me." Well, his fees are going to exceed that. How are you going to pay the rest of Jimmy's bill, right? Because Jimmy's not going to stop billing you after two thousand dollars. Now you're going to owe Jimmy more money. How's that relationship going to look? When the retainer runs out, and Jimmy says, "Hey, pay me more money. I, I need, I, I need a retainer top up." Are you going to be happy at that point that you shopped for a cheaper initial retainer, um, or not? Right? I, I, I assume that happens lots, where a client says, "All right, I'm going to go totally go, go see a different lawyer for a cheaper retainer." But how does that relationship look in three months, or a month, or three weeks once that initial retainer is exhausted? Is the client still happy? I have no idea.
0: I think that's the worst part of our jobs, as we have discussed, because too many lawyers, I think, go from small initial retainer payments, uh, and then you have to seek to continually top up that retainer for that lawyer to continue to work for you, which can't be enjoyable for the client. For us as lawyers, that's not why we're retained. We're there to help you with your family matter, not act as a collections agency and say, please send me more money.
1: So um let's say you found a, a lawyer that you like working with th- th- things are moving along D- you ever see situations where clients might want to change lawyers um uh, when would a client might want to think about changing a lawyer what are you, what are your thoughts on that rob
0: I think it ties into this retainer question uh coming back your research shouldn't be when you're thinking about picking a lawyer So much on the fees side, the retainer side or those things, because we don't just sell retainers. The retainer is not the product. The lawyer you're working with and that relationship you have with that lawyer in terms of moving your matter forward and making sure that's happening is really what you should be focusing on. Is your matter moving forward uh, at a reasonable rate? And the way you measure that is what is your lawyer telling you Uh, does your lawyer with you have a plan for moving forward that makes sense? It's as simple as saying, and this is the best thing someone can do. If you're not hearing from your lawyer or you're not sure what's going on, please ask and say, explain to me what's happening. What's going to happen next? How are we, as you said at the beginning of this episode, Darren, as divorced and done people going to bring this plane in for a landing? And sometimes at the beginning, We understand that emotions can run high. People want that aggressive lawyer. They want that person that's going to fight right off the top. Um, But from experience, having those fights right off the top are expensive. Uh, Feelings uh, and emotions can get high. And that relationship with that lawyer may or may not continue to be the right lawyer for you as your file continues maybe that lawyer the pit bull was right for you off the top because there were some emergency issues because as you know step one of divorced and done separate and apart and everyone is safe maybe you needed that aggressive person off the top okay but let's say those safety issues are now satisfied that lawyer still wants to be aggressive and wants to fight for everything wants to fight for property says you know we we have these interim parenting arrangements let's set trial dates I want two weeks of trial as soon as we can get it, and we're going to drive them to the mat on every issue. That will be more expensive than someone that says, how can we resolve this? Uh, What are the exits off this litigated path? And you have to ask yourself, you know, this lawyer was helpful in getting you to this point, but is it the right lawyer for you in continuing to move your matter forward? And in those sorts of situations, uh, there's nothing wrong in thinking about changing lawyers or going to a different lawyer and this perhaps bears underlining Darren and I'll pass it to you for you and I when relationships can get challenging with clients and I think the fundamental problem is there's miscommunication or we're just not understanding each other there may be a lawyer that can better help you and we want you to be best represented by the person that can best represent you and help you the best
1: yeah, I think back to your, just to address some of the points you raised, really good points. Um, if you get that aggressive lawyer off the top, but you're not really bought into it, and there's litigation brought initially in, in the matter, it's going to be awfully difficult to settle it later because there's going to be hurt feelings between you and your ex because you went to court on things that maybe didn't need to go to court initially. So just because you want to go to court right now, that may have a long-term impact on your broader divorce or separation matter um, because you've maybe bought into a level of conflict that wasn't there. You took the lead of that lawyer and now feelings are hurt. And instead of getting divorced within a year, it might take three years. That's that worst case scenario in terms of switching lawyers. Um, I think the best thing you can do is if you're feeling like you're, you and your lawyer are at a disconnect, your lawyer should not be your cheerleader. So the lawyer shouldn't just take whatever you want to do and do it. If the lawyer is a good lawyer, they will give you advice and say, I appreciate what you're saying, but in my professional opinion, that's that's the wrong step. This is what we should do. If you're still at loggerheads, you would be best served by getting a new lawyer. Because over time, if you and your lawyer are disagreeing on every procedural step, uh, every major step, That relationship's not going to work. Why should you be paying for that when you're just, you want something totally different? The lawyer may be totally justified. Maybe you're unjustified. But if you really want that action that you're directing your lawyer to do and they're not willing to do it, you should just go get a lawyer that will do that for you. And that may have consequences for you long-term in your divorce. But really, uh, you're not married to that lawyer. And I think many clients don't realize that. They're like, oh, this is my lawyer. And we're sort of married to each other tied at the hip and yeah. you're not. You You, as the client actually enjoy uh, free reign to terminate that lawyer-client relationship almost without any restriction. The most extreme example, the only extreme example I can think about is in criminal cases in the middle of a trial an accused asking to fire their lawyer. Sometimes the court would ext- on an extreme basis say, no, I'm not allowing you to self-represent for the balance of the trial. But in family law cases, you can... I think just unilaterally terminate that relationship almost at any juncture. And um, so if you are at that point and you want to terminate that relationship, that may even be a blessing for that lawyer because they're probably thinking, oh gosh, this lawyer-client relationship was stressful anyway because we were always sort of getting at each other about what next step needs to be taken. And that's exhausting for the lawyer himself or herself to have to handle that file if they're not on the same page. The best clients I have are the ones that we are in lockstep together. We see a path forward together collaboratively. It doesn't mean we don't have honest discussions about what needs to happen. But I mean, if the client is not willing to take my advice, how can I really help them? And it's best for both sides if that relationship ends at that juncture. It doesn't mean we don't want to help people. It just means um, we want you to Best find your path forward as you move through your divorce process. Finding the right lawyer is probably the best way to do that.
0: Anything else on the finding a lawyer? The best clients we work with, well, no, I was just going to say the best clients we work with usually aren't the biggest bills. Because we've all heard that adage, if parties fight, only the lawyers win because they get to rack up huge, huge bills. But that really isn't what you or I want to do. And I assume no. most lawyers we like working with people that are organized, have their information together, and know generally what they want to achieve in terms of an outcome. With divorced and done people, we know generally we're not running huge litigation bills, and hopefully you as a client will appreciate the service we provide because we're not trying to amp up stress or more financial pressure of more court time, but resolving your files sooner, out of court, and more efficiently than if you just start going to court off the top without clear end goals and objectives. I think, I think that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Well, thank you all for being here. Key takeaways from today. Before you pick a lawyer, do some research. And as you just said, Darren, we're not tied at the hip. Please send any questions or comments. lawyers talking about divorce at gmail.com. As always, find us online at divorcedanddone.com darren schmidt thank you for being with me i'm rob woodward we look forward to being with you again